It's force of Philip on the track. Yo, I didn't think about it this way before. But when I stopped casting Brainstorm, I realized all you players are junders. You're just a bunch of junders, bro. Two for ones in top decks. Green Sun Zenith prospects. Well, if you don't cast Thoughtseize turn one, then I don't want to hear no chat about blunders. You players are junders. Lilies and bobs and oozes. Tomagoy bruises. Colagons command chooses. Discard Shatterer Toofers, Disentomb Endurance, Punishing Fires Looping, and you losing cause we him into to rock. So you're playing off the top, Cascading always goes for broke, Lightning gonna hit you with the smoke, These braids are flapping off your blood, Tap 4 we cast a Dracula, Collect another trophy, Assassinate you when we play Enchantress, We back to nature, So pay 8 life you fucking coward, Flex your grip like it's full of power, Forget the student, get your racket, Master losers just keep attacking, Who cares if Uro blanks your deck, We're in too deep to course correct, We're some avails will cling the dust, curse the cup all the way Lily does. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying to you just yet, but if you ain't cast and brainstorm, then you gotta keep the fucking pressure on them. Jund will fuck up DNT, wrath the board, pernicious deeds. They'll rebuild what we're engineering, explosive, side of clearing. But please don't try to go recruit and last hope will smack it and abuse it. This is madness. Fatal push, commit war crimes, George W. Bush. Bruh, I get it, all the good cards are in blue. And Merc Tide is an absolute fucking beating. But if you don't cast Thought Seize turn one, then I don't want to hear no qualms about dragons. Pyro blasting, fuck escaping Uro and his dumb play patterns. Surgical extraction, calls games like James Madden. Tough acting to acting, and now we're gaining some traction by dashing in Ragavan the Goat, casting cards off the deck. And if they be playing blue, then they'll show us some respect. We used to play the cards, we traded one for one, but then they changed the bar, and that was undone. And now the black cards were unplayable, but we jumped so hard we're unassailable. Uh. Hello and welcome to Eternal Dirtles. I'm your host, Zach Clark, and with me as always, Phil Blackman. Phil, how's it going, man? Hello and welcome to Eternal Dirtles. It's me, Phil Blackman, and with me as always, my co-host and uh, excellent video videographer, Zach Clark. Zach, how's it going, yeah. man? Uh, I mean, this is what, take four of the, <laughs> of the show <Bro>. so far? <laughs> I, I, honestly, honestly, what we should do, one of these days, uh, you have to like trim your beard just enough to get like my scruff. I'll wear the glasses and the yellow thing. And we'll just roll reversal for a day. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> That's the content people really want to see. They want to see some roll reversals. Yeah. Uh, so anyhow, this episode, we're going to be talking about the uh, spoilers from the Streets of New Capenna uh, commander set. The, the set comes out this Friday. Uh, so uh, yeah, there's a lot. To, there, there's a few. There's a few cards to go over. Uh, and then there's a few cards to just talk about. And some mechanics that are that are pretty interesting. And I think that uh, they don't have a home yet, but they they could in the near future. Um, it's so always, it's always cool too. The the commander sets are always they feel like the commander. I feel like the commander sets are likelier to hit. Yeah, the legacy. Well, they can up the, the power set. from from standard. Yeah, they have the power right? level. Well, yeah. also because they're designing cards for a four player format, and oftentimes when you condense that down to a two player format, shit breaks like TNN or Kappa Cannoneer. Yeah. Yeah, whereas TNN is not that big of a deal. And same thing with Kappa Cannoneer in a four-player game. <laughs> right. It, it, that stuff just doesn't matter in a four-player game. Yeah. yeah. Six, a six-mana 5-5 five, five doesn't really do it for you. Um, yeah, so uh, before we get into all that, hey, if you guys have been uh, digging the, the content we're putting together, you think the quality of the videos has gone up, you know, all that stuff. The sound quality is, is better, any of that. 
like and subscribe, please. Help us out. Um, and if you get a chance, you know, smash uh, just, the subscribe button. Yeah, it's it it, it does wonders for us. It, it makes me feel really good. Like that, I I see that number go up, and I'm like, that's my whole that's my whole day. So, you know, hook that up. Um, without further ado, let's check out uh, let's check out some cards. So uh, the first thing I wanted to talk about uh, is as a whole the confluence cards. So we've got, mm -hmm. you know, Maestro's Cabaretti, Obscura, uh, Riveteers, and Broker's Confluences. In my view, they're all cute. I looked at all of them. I was excited that maybe one of them could break through if one of them was like three mana or uh, they just made an additional charm that was a little bit up in the power level. But none of them, none of them are going to make it. They're all too expensive. Yeah. Even the ones that you'd want to play are all blastable. It's just like we we're not even going to go through like what each of them do they're just all over costed yeah the confluences are did i say charms before i meant confluences uh, the confluences, yeah, no, con confluences and charms yeah the yeah, difference yeah. of confluences is that you can choose each mode more than once but even if you even with that benefit they're still way too expensive yeah. for what they actually do it's it's a real bummer that uh, and it's the same thing that i that i complain about the charms it's like it's like the designers don't understand that if you are can if you are committed to three colors, like I wouldn't play any of these in commander already, right? So if you're committed to three colors, like the the effect has to be pretty, pretty powerful to, to break through and make this a playable card. Now I know that like the I idea of design here isn't that like the commander designers aren't like, oh, I, I wonder if we can make this get through the legacy, you know? Obviously not. But all these cards are just, they're not great. You know, they could be so much better and they're just not, they're not hitting it for me. They really just feel like fat charms to me. And yeah, they feel like fat charms. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not, not close. So let's talk about, uh, let's talk about an, and hello and hello. Uh, I've been saying, and hello as like, like it's angel with an H yeah. and hello. Who knows? Uh, I don't know if I'm right or wrong, but. That's what, I've been, that's what I've been doing. Let me tell you, this card is sick. So it's Grixis for a 1-3. It has Death Touch. It's a legendary vampire assassin. And it says the first instant or sorcery you cast each turn has Casualty 2. Casualty is the new mechanic from the Maestros that says whenever you when you cast a, a spell, uh, you may sacrifice a creature with that power or greater according to its Casualty number. And if you do, you get to copy that spell. So this just turns all of your spells into Casualty 2. And that's a really powerful effect. The downsides, though, are that it's a 1-3 three for 3 mana that needs you to do something else and then also have an additional body, and it itself does not uh, turn on the casualty 2 clause for the yeah. spells after the fact. Yeah, if like, you were a 2-3, then, like, and, and you could sack it to turn on its, its own clauses, that would be powerful. But it's yeah. like, there's just, there's oh, just enough hurdles here that it doesn't make it to me. It's just, it's like, yeah, this this card, it, it, it's so close to being to being, like, something you would be like, oh, I could try this out. It's just that like the the way that the text works is like, even if you could, even if you could sacrifice this because of its power, it'd be off the board and its, its ability wouldn't work. It's just like, there's so much that's like, just it's it's two, it's two ships passing in the night, this design. It just like, doesn't doesn't make it all the way there. So I don't know what, if, if the spell exists or not, but because this is the card that can give any instant or sorcery uh, casualty, if there is an effect that makes a creature that or makes a two power creature that you could then exploit and also lets you pick up that spell, you could uh, theoretically loop 
So, well, you can't because it's only the first spell. Oh yeah, you're right because it's the only the first the spell first. Yeah. yeah. Oh oh oh, it's the first. Yeah, you're right. It's the first instant of sorcery yeah. spell each turn. Okay, yeah. So they actually closed it so you can't loop. Yeah, they did, they weren't they weren't letting that shenanigans I, happen. I I I tried to I I overlooked the uh, first instant each yeah. turn part clause because I was looking for cards that you could potentially go infinite with, but you can't. So now I'm totally off on hello. I'm yeah. really high on him because it's such a cool character, and I really like that it's like the second in command of. Uh, like I'm curious to see what happens lore wise with Angelo after Obnixilis uh, murdered Xander and then essentially yeah. took over. Xander didn't make it, like, guys. So where does? Oh yeah, spoilers. Sorry. So where does <laughs> like? So then, if if Angelo was the number two, like does Angelo then have any loyalty or a working relationship with Obnixilis? Like I'm now way more interested in the lore with this guy than I than I'm actually showing up in uh, in Legacy or any competitive format outside of uh, EDH. Yeah. Um, yeah, so well, let's talk about uh, a card that I think might actually have some legs in time, uh, and that is Cyrix, Carrier of the Flame. That is the is it Cyrix or Cyrix? It I might like, be Cyrix. I like Cyrix. I've been um, saying Cyrix, similar to like Syracuse. Okay, but I I don't know. I I think I think you're probably right. It's probably Cyrix. I've been saying I'm gonna Cyrix. Go, this whole I'm going to go with Cyrix just because you know that's I. If I'm wrong, I'm still gonna go with Cyrix because yeah, te- uh, Tefri. Yeah, you're the Tefri guy, so I'm gonna. I'm actually gonna go back. I'm gonna say Cyrix. Okay, okay. so Cyrix. Yeah, yeah. I've been known to mispronounce a, a word or two in the Magic: The Gathering uh, f- uh, folklore here. Anyhow, I'm gonna so, say Cyrix, career of the flame. Career. All right. So anyhow, he is a two black red, and he is a three three flying haste phoenix. And at the beginning of each end step, if a creature left your graveyard this turn, target Phoenix you control deals damage equal to its uh, its power to any target. And then whenever a Phoenix you control dies, you may cast Cyrix Carrier of the Flame uh, from your graveyard. So I, here's the thing. This is an attrition-y kind of card. Um, and and it has a couple, it has a couple interesting features. One, uh, it works kind of well with Arclight Phoenix if you can make like the Arclight Phoenix thing happen and you happen to have this guy in play as well through various means. You've got to get this guy into play, which is its own its own issue, obviously. Um, but you can lean more into that in, into that style of deck and even play something like uh, like a reanimator effect just for this guy. I wish he cost three because it would have been perfect to have this guy for Unearth. But then you can do things like uh, play... Uh, Relic of Progenitus or uh, what is it, Lantern of the whatever, uh, Sears Lantern, or I forget the name. What's that card? The the new uh, side. Lantern of Insight? Card. Yeah, uh, no, not Lantern of Insight. The, la- the Lantern that... Uh, oh, Soul Guide Lantern. Soul Guide Lantern, yeah. Soul so Guide you can do that to remove uh, creatures Lantern from your insight. graveyard or from your opponent's graveyard. And uh, it, I mean, just by the virtue of having this guy in there, uh, and and having a uh, like a random sideboard plan against your opponent's like reanimator uh, style deck or or just removing stuff for uh, to get creatures out of his yard or out of your yard, you can just do extra damage, which is pretty cool. Um, do I think that there's a place for this just yet? No, I think that I think that the, uh, the format has to shift more mid rangey for this to work. But it, it's it's at least an interesting design. Yeah, so the, the the restrictive quality here is that it says whenever you cast another, whenever another Phoenix you control dies, you may cast Cyrix. The recursive part of it isn't free like it is for Arclight Phoenix. Yeah, of course. However, however, 
I do like the idea that it is something else that you can play in Arclight Phoenix as an additional thing that you would like to discard or, or, or another thing that you'd like to dump off a barrier alive. One yeah. of the issues that I always had with Arclight Phoenix was that it was extremely anemic. Like once they dealt with the first wave, trying to rebuild off of that and your payoff is just a couple of three twos was never really all that good because you're dumping so many resources. But being able to uh, have that first, having additional buried alives not be dead cards later on because you've already gotten rid of all your phoenixes and also this being just a mana sink if you can recur the phoenix exactly forth. the other thing too is that it says at the beginning of each end step uh if a creature left your graveyard target phoenix does that mean is that multiple like if, if you had multiple phoenixes returned exactly so if you had, multiple times if you had if you had like let's say two two arclight phoenixes come back for your graveyard that means you're going to get to uh do this twice Right, that, that, that's not, it, it's not a once per each turn. Each one, so yeah, each one is an instance of, of a Phoenix coming back. So this is, this yeah. is also a, a, an example too of this type of, like that particular trigger, like let's say this card is on the table, right? Like let's say you have Cirrus on the table. Yeah. Any type of recursive creature clause uh, on, like I always go, anytime you can bring something back from the graveyard, I always lean towards Gravecrawler, right? Because it's just a de facto like way to recur a creature out of your yard. Yeah. So if, uh, if, if let's only say, if it was a Phoenix zombie. Well, the, yeah, if only if it were a Phoenix zombie, true, yeah. But the, the fact, like, if you have this thing on the table, then every you, with a sack outlet and a grave crawler, every time you recur a grave crawler and a turn off of that sack outlet, whether it be with a carrion feeder or whatever, this will dome them each time you did that. So if you were able to just do that three times, it's going to dome them for nine. Yeah, like it's pretty that's, good. That's potentially pretty powerful, and it's you're you're already uh, incentivized to move into red anyway into zombies for sideboard cards and for stuff like Goblin Bombardment and whatnot. And there, there, I, I feel like there are homes for this card. It's just, it, it may be too over-costed. Well, here's here's another thing to, to take into account. Let's say that, uh, you know, our conversation last week, they get rid of, uh, they don't get rid of Days, but they get rid of uh, uh, Murktide Regent, right? So now we're in a situation where Days isn't really great against, against uh, this particular four drop because in time, it's going to come back, right? Like you're going to figure out ways to, recur this and days eventually you're just going to overpower your delver type opponents with kind of a a massive board advantage that just keeps recurring itself and that's when you know you can start shooting down delvers with these things as any target right you're not going to shoot down a uh, a murktide regent probably like unless you get two triggers and, and do that but um in a world where days is king this is a particular four drop that like has that has that attrition advantage that actually uh, can kind of uh, work its way around that that sort of play pattern. I think the other thing to uh, consider here too that's not immediately obvious is that it seems like if another creature die if another uh, phoenix you control dies you may cast Cirrus from uh, your graveyard this turn or you may cast it from your graveyard. I think the phoenix clause there is actually the most difficult hoop to jump through. It's that it specifically needs to be a phoenix that dies in order for you to get the ability to cast Cirrus from the yard. Yeah. But actually spending four mana to recur Cirrus uh, to play, it's not just four mana make a 3-3. Three, three. It's four mana make a 3-3 three, three with haste, so you get in the attack, but then yep. also it will trigger it, off of itself. And it shoots, yeah, and it shoots something. So, so it's potentially four mana to either flame tongue Kabu, Blightning somebody, or uh, just dome them straight for six. And yeah. so like that that's actually a pretty good conversion rate because you can, can there are elements where you can control the board here. And I, I think the deep dive really here is really finding cheaper Phoenixes to bring back into play because right now, if like 
if you lean on ArcLight Phoenix, you're kind of constrained in like the requirements of what that deck needs, which is like a lot of instances, a lot of instants and sorceries. And this uh, card also really wants the ability to have creatures die and creatures leave the graveyard. Yeah. So if you're all in on Phoenix on ArcLight Phoenix, it's probably going to be really hard to like loop through getting this done. I don't know if you would take the additional step, but it, it seems like there's enough working pieces here that you could probably find something uh, reasonable to, it's, to get a good recursion engineer. It's a card that I think needs more time and to see more Phoenixes. And look, this is a, this is the thing that uh, as a commander player, uh, this, this card's a big, a big piece of news because now you can have a Phoenix commander. So yeah. that means that we may see more Phoenix support in the near future as well. Uh, if this commander becomes popular. So uh, hot tip, play this play this in commander, talk it up, and then uh, maybe uh, Watsy will start printing cheaper Phoenixes, right? I mean, sh should caveat, like, the, this isn't going to be hitting the top tables of Legacy anytime no. soon. No, 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 no. But there, there, there's, there's, there's space here for a, a, a cool deck to take to an FNM that actually can do some powerful things uh, because all of the effects here are pretty inviting and are, are seemingly doable with tools that are currently in the format. So... Uh, it's not breaking anything, but it's definitely closer than Angela was. So uh, at the very end of uh, the last video, we, we touched on Benny Brax, Zoologist. Uh, why don't you take it away, though? I think you have a lot of, lot of takes on this card. So I don't know if Benny Brax is going to make it. But the, what I do like about it is, A, we, we know Convoke is very good, right? It's just being able to cast your spells for free is obviously good. So you can, if, when you can turn other resources into mana, and in, in this case, you can turn every creature into a mana dark, it's pretty powerful. And all it asks is one white. Well, let's now talk about what he does, what he, what he is yeah, first. So it's, it's a four mana, three, two, three and a white. Uh, and it says at the beginning of each end step, if you created a token this turn, draw a card and it has Convoke. Now it doesn't uh, specify what kind of token. So it's literally any token. Yeah, it can be treasure token, right? Can be treasure token. And what it means, I mean, obviously this is going to be a, a, a banger in EDH, but in Legacy, it can come down for theoretically for zero mana if you have if you if you're a deck that goes wide, but then it also allows you to potentially draw three cards every turn cycle. So you have your draw step. You can make a token on your turn. If you can make a, a token on your opponent's turn, then you'll draw a card for each of those at, uh, on each end step. So it's a, a a way to effectively get a really nice draw engine going. Now it's fragile and it's legendary, but that legendary has pros and cons, right? Because you can also use Caracas as well as they can. But I think like the fact that this card. It's, it's not asking for a lot, right? It's just asking for a deck that makes tokens. And that's kind of it. And being able to draw that many cards per turn and just really bury your opponent under a, a volume of resources, this one sticks out to me as like, this is the powerful card from this, from this commander set. Even though I don't know if it has a home yet, yeah. I feel like it may be able to generate a home somewhere. Like the, dip, like the fact that um, Urza Saga produces token, Retrofitty Foundry already produces token. Like there's like that shell of, uh, like a pillar in the format that's already pumping out a lot of tokens at a time makes me think that this could just work very well. Like uh, a guy named Eddie at my local who's very high on uh, Mono White Painter, that deck produces a lot of tokens if he wants to between Urza Saga and uh, Retrofitter Foundry. And something like this, I feel like could open up decks or really move uh, Urza Saga towards white to be able to take advantage of a really powerful draw engine. You know, uh, something I wanted to mention as like sort of a deck building consideration slash meta consideration is that, um, you know, we don't have a ton of cards to talk about uh, for this particular commander set for Legacy. And I think that's because the format is kind of currently solved. 
Mm -hmm. um, and and thusly, like, you know, every answer to every neat or interesting card you have is like, no, it'll just lose to it'll just lose to X. Right. Um, and there's not a lot of room to to uh, innovate right now. And I think that's sort of uh, an issue that you run into when a format is solved um, is that the new cards come in and, and they're not as exciting for that reason. But I think that if, if something changes relatively soon in the future, we could see a lot of really interesting uh, uh, cards in this in this particular set and in and maybe even in the last one that we didn't really cover because there just wasn't room for that in the in the format and stuff like I mean look at Cyrix, look at Benny Brax, those are just on the fringe of being interesting enough to talk about, but maybe not playable now. So many of uh, those cards could be opened up if, if there was some sort of movement in the format as far as like a ban or uh, a new printing that like changed, changed the format some. I, I agree that the format seems relative, pretty much solved at this point until there's a, another shakeup or another powerful card enters the format. Particularly about Benny Brax is that it fills in my head what is always worthwhile for a, a build around for a potentially new deck, which is a really effective draw engine a really effective tutor or uh, something that is just really powerful on raw raw rate or a prison piece. You th Those facets in my head are always the ones that will will scream new archetype. So, something when I first saw this that uh, shouted out to me was something like Standstill, where it's like, this is a really, a really powerful uh, draw card, uh, engine that draws cards that you can then build a deck around. This feels similar to something like that. Yeah. And so again, I don't think this is going to be breaking the top table, breaking through in the top tables anytime soon. But this is the closest in all of the commander uh, product for New Capenna. I think this card is the closest to getting into the format. Well, let's talk about another card that won't be breaking the top tables any anytime soon, uh, and that is Swindler Scheme. Uh, Swindler Scheme is sort of a uh, counterbalance variant. So it's an enchantment for three mana, two and one blue. And it says, whenever an opponent casts a spell from their hand, you may reveal the top card from your library. If it shares a card type uh, with that spell, counter that spell, and then the opponent gets to cast yours without paying its mana cost. Uh, the, the card, card that you revealed, revealed. yeah. So that, that seems bad, right? Like, the, immediately, like, I think me and Phil looked at this card and went, ooh, counterbalance. And we realized that, like, eh, we don't really want our opponent to cast our brainstorm, you know, or whatever. Yeah. But um, that's when I thought about CEDH and a, a big thing in CDH is a, a deck called uh, a deck that uh, winds around this card, Limvala Azorius Renegade. And this works perfectly with this. Uh, Limvala. Hey, La, uh, Lavinia. 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 Yeah, Azorius. Uh, Limvala is very different. Yeah, Limvala is different. Uh, sorry. Yeah, Lavinia uh, Azorius Renegade and this card work really well if you can if you can make it work. So if you can put a deck together that has this and Counterbalance and Lavinia maybe some other lock pieces uh, that, that synergize well together. Like you've almost got something there, I feel like. I think that your idea, your, like your thought process is solid. It's just still too many hoops. It's, yes, it is. It is too many hoops. We need, uh, there needs, it needs a rug, right? It needs something to tie the room together. And we don't have that just yet, but this is like another interesting, like, I'm going to love playing this in EDH for sure. Cause it's just yeah. such a bonkers thing to have happen. Uh, I mean, the thing is like in EDH, you also get top. Like, you only get one. You only get one. Obviously you only get one, but I mean, it's still like the, the space of being able to counter cards of the same type, as opposed to cards of the same costs in yeah. uh, this counterbalance space is uh, an interesting place to explore. There are the, the, the both the, the clause of they get to potentially counter some the get your spell. They get to cast your spell. If it if you counter theirs, 
but also uh, clause on here that you can, it's only countering spells from their hand. I, I get that that's niche, but there's enough things on here that I'm like, there's no way. There's just yeah, no it's, way. it's a lot. Like, as it's close lot. as this yeah. feels, and as much as as much as good as it sounds, it's just in practice. I mean, there's just no I mean, way. At, at its at its at its normal scenario, isn't it awesome that like you could counter a reality with a ponder? <laughs> like, yeah, you could have a ponder, but you're not getting that grizzle brand. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, what, what, what will ultimately happen is you'll counter the reanimate, revealing your ponder. They'll ponder, find another reanimate. And they'll cast and they'll cast uh, an animate dead, and you're like, I don't even have yeah, any enchantments yeah. in my deck. And just get wrecked. Yeah, reveal another you swindler only, scheme. You, so that's, you reveal that's, another swindler scheme, they get to cast a swindler scheme, and they're doing it to no! you. And get wrecked. Oh, dude, that would be the worst. That'd be the worst. That'd um, be very it would, bad. It would be, be an amazing game. Like, that would be the greatest game ever to, like, commentate on, though. Um, oh yeah, the, the the swings would be epic, but oh, man, yeah. it would it would feel very bad. I just got a notice from uh, my Robinhood app that uh, it's going to purchase forty dollars in Hasbro for me tomorrow. So nice, woo! I'm an investor, boys. Uh, <laughs> anyhow, next uh, next card is uh, and and this <laughs> wow, this card is a is is so meta because in too deep is how I feel about how we're going into this uh, review set, right? Uh, yeah, so into in, yeah, like we're going oh, yeah, into yeah, yeah. deep. <laughs> uh, I'm with you, into in deep is a two blue mana uh, aura enchantment. It has split second, and it says enchant creature, planeswalker, or clue, and it turns uh, that permanent into a clue. Um, what else? So and it, so it, and then it, it loses all of its other abilities. So yeah, this is just a two mana uncounterable, essentially removal spell that allows them to cycle that permanent into a new card yeah what i don't get is why is it templated that you can also enchant a clue if it just turns it into a clue so i figured that out i I figured that out you did you did miss something there is a card uh called uh agent's toolkit which is a clue and it's an artifact so this doesn't target artifacts uh but it could target agent's toolkit oh okay so not that that's cool but that's that's a reason okay so so essentially a, a they have now made clues a subtype of artifacts, and yeah. therefore you can target a subtype of artifacts, and that's what, okay. I get it. Oh, okay, that's um, that's the thing. I mean, this card this card is cool. I mean, essentially removing a creature or planeswalker from the table, and it loses all of its other abilities. Like that is very relevant. It's just it's a it's a sorcery speed doomblade, right? I just wish like so if if it, it is a sorcery speed doomblade that your opponent can't react to in any way. I wish it was also like you could cast this at instant speed because that's what split second feels like to me is like you should be able yeah. to cast it at instant speed because in a scenario where I could kind of like stop a grizzle brand from doing something if my opponent was like okay I need to attack with my grizzle brand before I before I uh, draw seven cards because I'm at mm-hmm. like seven life or something like that you know or I'm two or I'm at ten and I, I'm afraid of your bolt and you're like okay hold on I'm gonna do this and they they can't even respond to stop that from happening. Yeah. Uh, would be would be awesome but because it's it's a sorcery speed uncounterable version of this it just it stinks that it's not like slightly better also the idea that, that it can get your grizzle brand back in your graveyard where you probably want it to cast another thing is also not great uh, yeah I, I don't think that's great i think the actual really powerful thing here is that it's planeswalker removal in mono blue that's like blue blue to get rid of a planeswalker is really big now I get that the Planeswalker in this, in this format, they all draw a card when they come in. So you spending two mana on their card, which has already produced a card, and then it will produce them another card. 
it, it, that like that's not a good exchange. It's like, a tempo format, man. You might you you know that might not that night might not uh, might not matter to them by then. I think the thing that's interesting about this is for decks that struggle to deal with say larger creatures. Uh, this being in blue means that you can deal with that type like the big stuff, and then it will cost them two mana to get it off the table if they if they need to do that. The other thing that this does is being able to turn off abilities. So the, one of the cards that I thought about with this was um, you can turn off their uh, uh, Sanctum Prelate and compel them to like spend their time flickering it and try and, and doing something like I, I think that this, this card isn't going to break anything, but it is really powerful. Like an yeah. uncounterable way to remove two very relevant card types. At, in, in, a, in a color that doesn't have a lot of, a lot of options for that too, yeah. I, I think it's just like in, in it's a weird way to pivot blue into removal that isn't bounce. Yeah. And or like I don't suspend, know, you know? Yeah. Like suspend does get rid of it, but then it, they, they get it back later where this theoretically doesn't let them have it back. Like they get a new card, yeah. like they get to cycle, which is still not good for you. But in terms of removing a problem in, in blue, this is really like, this is a very powerful effect. Mono blue Delver. Here we come. I wonder if there's any um, benefit to it being an enchantment too. Like, it, like I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to think. Like, I have recently delirium. Playing, I mean, delirium. But delirium. I was also recently playing um, a version of Miracles that was just trying out Tameshi. Now, Tameshi feels a little bit cute, but something like that, where Tameshi cares about being able to pull artifacts or enchantments out of your graveyard. I, I, I mean, I wonder if there's enough unexplored territory with it being an enchantment as a removal spell that yeah. you would care about. I don't know. It's also just two blue pips on the table. Like, does that mean anything? I, I, I feel like there's a lot of space that th you, this could, I don't know. I'm really intrigued by this card. And I feel like it, this is, this is way closer than we think. Yeah. Well, uh, okay. Let's go on to the next one. Uh, Protection racket. That is a uh, three mana enchantment. It's enchantment heavy, uh, heavy uh, review here. Three mana enchantment that says at the beginning of your upkeep, repeat the following process for each opponent in turn order, reveal the top card of your library. That player may pay life equal to that card's mana value. If they do, exile that card. Otherwise, put it in your hand. Okay, so... This is like a Bob, like, they get to choose. It almost like Simprodder. Uh, it, it works like Simprodder. It's, it's extremely Simprodder. It's like yeah. exactly Simprodder, except that it's an enchantment. And it's not and... a creature to be removed, right? Simprodder, uh, right. you, you, you basically just bolt every time you saw it. Um, this there, can't, there is, can't be removed. There's no way this would see play because I can't imagine what kind of deck building constraint you would have to do that this would generate you enough card advantage and not have enough of a drawback on the fact that it's a punisher mechanic. You need like you need like three drops, right? You need like it, it to hit three drops like kind of constantly. I mean, this could be the thing is is like the decks that you would throw this into that you would get that value out of are like Grixis control and Grixis control doesn't need something like this, right? Yeah, they they get to control whether or not you actually draw that card, and there's just no way that that. And they're exiling it, so it's not like it just goes on top of your deck and then you get it like in another turn or something. Um, they're well, yeah, yeah. You're exiling card. You're, you're exiling card by it's essentially doming them. Yeah. If they choose to exile it, they don't. Yeah, it's just yeah, that makes sense. It's too expensive. Yeah. You would need All right. you, this. This would need to be like black, like one black. One man. black. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, the it, interesting ability, but like, yeah, I wanted to I, I wanted to point that out. So let's talk about one that I do think could see some play, and that's body count. Uh, body count is a three man instant that's two and a black, and it has spectacle one black. So if you've damaged your opponent this turn, 
Uh, you can play it for one black, and it says draw a card for each creature that died under your control this turn. So this is, there. there is a three-mana zombie. I think it's Liliana something. But it's a zombie, it's a 3-1 with flash that has exactly this ability. Uh, draw a card for each creature that died under your control this turn. That card assumes no play. So this being an instant, I don't think it makes that a difference because this is asking you to play creatures and that is a creature. So it's more in line with what you want to be doing. Yeah. So the, the real payoff here has to be converting it for its spectacle cost, which makes me wonder that, or makes me think that the only way that this sees play is if it is part of some kind of degenerate combo that is looking for this to pull you up a bunch of resources so you can continue going off. And that's it. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely combo abilities with this card. Like, you know, you could Phyrexian. No, this isn't a fair card. You're not playing this fair. Yeah, I think I think, I think, think you're, yeah, if you're playing it fair, you're probably doing it wrong, for sure. Definitely um, doing it wrong. But uh, the spectacle part is actually the part that makes that, that part really strange because it's like, what are you doing to do damage before that? You're probably going to cast this for the full... For its full mana value if you're if you're playing it unfairly dude zombie bombardment is getting a, a bunch of interesting tools here none of which yeah. of them are good enough but like it is it is kind of interesting that you could just be like yeah sack my board buy back my whole board i mean that's the beautiful thing about zombardment is like is is that even a viable deck kind of no so like, no it's not so it's like, definitely yeah. not but no but I'm, I'm saying like you could show up at an fnm with that and do okay so like this card is is a toolbox card for that and that's fine you know yeah uh is it gonna get there like in a in a gp or something not the gps exist anymore but like of course not but like this is an interesting uh it's an interesting role player in a deck that you you might see it see it a local when we whenever nate so nate was extremely excited about body count so when when he comes up with the brew that five is a league and then you know suddenly taking down challenges we'll have him on to interview him about of it. course <laughs> um so the other one i wanted to talk about is Lethal Scheme. Uh, Lethal Scheme is a four mana that's two and two black instant uh, with Convoke, which is why we're talking about this card. And it says, destroy target creature or planeswalker. Each creature that convoked Lethal Scheme connives. So this card is very cool. In so for a long time, I tried to make zombies work. There's a bunch of there's a bunch of footage of me playing literal zombie tribal on 90s MTG. You could go uh, to Chris's site, uh, Chris's YouTube channel, and and watch those games. The deck is obviously not good, but this card, man, convoke, meaning that this card is just free if you go wide. Now, yeah, if it I mean, was just if, if if this was just a, a hero's downfall for four mana that had convoke, it would not no. be nearly good enough. The connive. The is fact, what's really interesting here is like if, the if, you, if you this card, it's like do this. All these creatures get probably get plus one plus L. We're like, let's say three out of four of them get plus one, uh, pl sorry, plus one plus one, and you're looting. That's a lot. There's a lot, a lot. going on in this card. A lot. So, so here's here's a, a play pattern that uh, would come up that when I was playing zombies would come up a lot. So you go turn one, one drop zombie. Turn two, Lazatep Reaver. For those of you who don't remember, why would you? It's a one two for two mana that when it ETBs it uh, amasses a mass. Right? Yeah, so it masses one, which is a zombie. So it makes a 1-1 one, one zombie token. And so on, like, let's say you go turn one Crypt Breaker, turn two Lazatep Reaver, draw a card, untap, uh, play a fourth zombie. You can now turn on Lethal Scheme by convoking all of those creatures, draw four, essentially loot four cards, anthem your whole board, and destroy whatever they put into play. That is a really, really powerful sequence yeah. 
to be okay. I'm gonna loot four cards, anthem my board, and deal with what you just did while I didn't have to take any part of my turn off. That's it's that's very good. Yeah, like I mean, that's right up there with like in standard. What was that? What was that? Uh, uh, convoke card that did four damage. Uh, you were playing that with all the goblin tokens and stuff. Yes, I know what you're talking I, about. I forget what it's called, but like that that card was amazing. Stoke, like, stoke the flames. Stoke, yeah, the, stoke flames. the flames. So like your turn one would be like a guy. Your turn two would be uh, play uh, play. Uh, What's it called? Uh, they played the goblin thing where they made fodder, up, they, like they, dragon fodder, they, right? Yeah, it was it was it was three mana to make three one ones, and then yeah, hurdling outburst, and, and so, so, so you would you would two spell. This card yeah. is the, the fact that this card means that every creature, if you can really leverage the connive, the connive is what really puts this card over the top. Like yeah. a, a free removal spell, sure, cool. Like force of will exists. Yeah, but the the fact that this is both an anthem, a card filter, and a removal spell potentially for free that's where like this card oh man i, I am you know, very excited to try this I'm, I'm i'm actually thinking about like even in like death shadow like just reducing the mana cost on this by one to like just try and make like get rid of a giant block maybe a death touch guy that like is going to mess up your shadow um and then being able to con convoke as well is at or convoke uh connive connive and convoke both on this card uh being able to connive as well like that's just something to do you know like this is not a this is a card that you could see just popping in as a one of as like a two to three mana uh card that that loots and and uh does uh what's it called uh hero's downfall yeah i think if you're leaning anywhere in creatures because like even something as simple as this will turn on baleful strix into will we'll turn baleful strix into uh, a birds of paradise right because it can pay for the black part of the card so it's like i i'm i brought up only zombies but this can go into any deck that has creatures that aren't black as well and that is important like even if you get this card down to you know just black black if you're in a deck that can afford that mana cost being able to loot twice and pump two creatures is also really solid like if you are in, uh, if you have like a Baleful Strix and a Snapcaster, and all of a sudden you turn three damage a turn into five damage a turn, plus you looted two, plus you remove something at instant speed, that's a really, that's really solid. And then being able to, like, um, if you have a Snapcaster and you target this in your graveyard, Convoke can, you can Convoke from your graveyard too, like if you target it with, yes, as, as flashback. Um, you can Convoke because, the Snapcaster. Uh, that's what I mean. It so a like, three two Snapcaster and it loots. Beating your and other Snapcaster mages, right? Well, well, turning it into a hero's downfall. So it's like, yeah, it's it's not far. Like I think that this this card is legitimate, and it just yeah. the, the downside is that it prices you into playing with creatures. Like you have to commit to being able to play creatures, and hopefully, in the, some of those creatures are black because you do need to be able to produce double black to actually turn this card on. Yeah. But this this one this one is great. This, this might be really the real good. deal. Yeah, this is the All real right. deal. All right, let's talk about determined iteration. Another enchantment. Uh, this is one in the red, and it says at the beginning of combat on on your turn, populate uh, the token created this way gains haste. Then you sacrifice it at the beginning of the next end step. Basically, uh, if you can start getting value out of those out of those tokens that are going to die. So if you're sacrificing uh, that token to something else every turn, you know, uh, I mean, it's the same. It was the same status that kind of everyone that looked at this card in EDH talked about. But uh, being able to do things like ca do casualty with this token means that you're not even losing the uh, the uh, you know the advantage of having that creature because it's dying anyhow. 
So I think this is good in a scenario where you've already got a, 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 a small token synergy in your deck and you and you have casualty cards in your deck. That's kind of where I'm coming from with this. It's two mana. So that's the thing to me that, I, that kind of stood out about this card. You know, this strikes me as something that's like kind of in the realm of Bitter Blossom. The, the issue why I don't think that this will see any play is because it's asking you to do something else. You already have to, yeah, you already have to have the tokens on the board, which is which is definitely the hoop to jump through. With you, you have to, the token on the board, it, the tokens have to be powerful enough that you're willing to put in an enchantment into play that wants to make more of those tokens. And if we've seen anything recent, like in recent years from Legacy, Putting anything synergistic into your deck that doesn't do anything by itself is just a non-starter. It's, and in fact, it's this, tough. Yeah, this is this is, doesn't even have the failsafe of being blue, so you can pitch it to force. Yeah, it's just, yeah. like I, I I feel like the the rate on this card is good. The, what this no card swindler is, scheme, right? The, what this card does <laughs> in in theory is very powerful. If you could pair it with something, if you pair it with something that you'd want to populate for value, the issue is that it. You, it does nothing by itself. You have to do something else. And that kind of synergy just can't exist in Legacy. Yeah. All right. So let's or, check or out. Or is unable to at the moment, you know. Let's check out Spellbinding Soprano. This is a two mana, two, two, human bard, one in red. And it says whenever it attacks, instant and sorcery spells, you cast this turn, cost one less. And then it has Encore for three and a red. Yeah. Which is encore, you pay yeah. that cost. You pay that cost, you exile it from your yard. Uh, and then in Legacy, that means that you would create one token that attacks your opponent this turn if able, it gains haste, and then you sacrifice it at the beginning of the next end set. So I don't know when you would ever do that, uh, uh, you know, maybe in a long drawn out game. But essentially this is a two mana, two, two, that when it attacks, it gives you a Goblin Electromancer ability. And that's where I go, why wouldn't you just be playing play Goblin, Goblin Electromancer? Electromancer? Yeah. It, yeah. The only way that this, uh, like this is, a, I feel like for EDH, at least this is, a, the Encore is actually powerful because you get three copies. Yeah, so you get I mean, Encore record. is ridiculous in, in, in EDH, right. obviously. But the, the, the only way that this is actually uh, powerful is if you're somehow comboing to reduce cards that give you additional combat steps. Uh, yeah, that would make but sense. But there's just, there's just no way that that exists in Legacy. Yeah. All right, moving on to Boxing Ring. I can't believe Boxing Ring is an artifact and not a land. Right. Uh, no, the card, because like the land the, like is the, card, the other, is like the other a, thing. Arena exists, it's and it's a land. It's Trioma land. Um, oh, this man, is better dude. than Arena, I will say. Uh, this is yes. an artifact. It's green. It's one in the green for uh, a uh, whenever a creature enters the battlefield under your control, it fights up to one target creature you don't control with the same mana value. I didn't read with the same mana value. Let's move on. <laughs> So the, and then it has tap create it, it, it. The second part of the card is has tap create a treasure token. Activate only if you control a creature that fought this turn. So I I apologize it, to everyone. I mean, this is fine if you want to have like your Delver fight another Delver, I guess. But like, I, so I the, yeah, I didn't read that part. The the same mana value is where it becomes tough. And yeah. it, if this card were to see play at all, right? Uh, I don't think it will. But let's say you know some for some reason you're in green and you want this. Because it is recursive uh, removal, right? Yeah. Like every creature turns potentially turns into a removal spell. I think that at most would be a sideboard card to see if you could like line your stuff up. Yeah. And then anything with death touch would immediately get the kill regardless of what it what it does. Again, it's too narrow. There's just more efficient things to be doing. If it shows up like this was the uh, a, a type of thing where back in the day I could see it being like, you would play this and your Tarmogorf would fight their Tarmogorf and then you could push through for damage or something. But like, 
beyond that, it's not safe. It's unfortunate because the the idea of boxing ring being a card and causing all the creatures to fight would be really good. It's also very flavorful that it is same mana value because that's a nod to the boxers yeah, the, being like, in the same know, weight class. Middleweight, middleweight champion, welterweight, right. and you know. Then, and then, then after the, a certain point, you can just have little Mike fight Mike, a uh, little Mac fight Mike Tyson, and they're not in the same weight class. Right. Yeah. I mean, they're creating a treasure token is also <laughs> a nod to like the boxer winning their prize purse. Like yep. this is a very flavorfully successful card, but it's not going to see any play on Legacy. All uh, right. On to uh, and this is. This is going to be French, but I want to talk about Dodgy Jalopy. It's Dodgy a, Jalopy. This I, I'll, I'll give this the award for 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 best. Uh, it just has a good name of all mouthfeel, right? Like Dodgy, Dodgy Jalopy. Jalopy. Yeah, it has a Dodgy good Jalopy. I, like if if my handle wasn't Force of Fill, it would definitely be Dodgy <laughs> Jalopy. So it's a it's an art, artifact vehicle. It's two in a green for a uh, trample. Dodgy Jalopy's power is equal to the highest mana value among creatures you control. Uh, and it has scavenge. It's crew three. It is an X five. So uh, the only reason I wanted to bring this up is because of Shadow of Mortality. And if you can get this thing to, uh, if you can get Shadow of Mortality out, and then uh, you've got Dodgy Jalopy, you've got like a fifteen five Trampler, which is cool. Bro, but Bro. the scavenger, the scavenge is also cool too. What? Okay, so yeah, you can spend three <laughs> mana to put three plus one plus one counters on a creature which means that you put this vehicle in your yard somehow. And dude, it's three mana. Uro and the Firewalkers exist. Let's move on. Yeah, that's fair. I just wanted to point that out, is that getting- It's the best name. Dodgy Jalopy. Yeah, it's a great name. The nod for Um, the name alone. All right. Family's Favor. Family's Favor is another enchantment. Uh, It's three and a green. And it it says, whenever you attack, put a shield counter on target attacking creature. Until the end of turn, it gains whenever this creature deals combat damage uh, to a player, remove a shield counter from it. If you do, draw a card. So it's too expensive, and it's not going to do anything in Legacy. No, I, I, so, so I, I, I think, th- so this is a card that I think we had talked about this before. Just like uh, Wild Defiance, where like it has a little bit of room to, to be played in, uh, what's it called? In, in, in fact, there's like a sideboard card. Um, is it? It's not filling the exact same role as as Wild Defiance or what is it? Sanctum Sanctuary. Shaper Sanctuary. Shaper Sanctuary. Being able to protect your guy once combat starts is kind of interesting because your opponent has to kill it beforehand before you start casting uh, pump spells on it. And then and then if you're just like chipping in, you get to draw a card. I just think that there's no way, even. So like hypothetically, I mean, you're the you're the infect guy, so you know better than I do. But I just can't imagine you're ever putting a three mana enchantment that doesn't do anything immediately. Like, well, that's the thing; works- it doesn't it does do something immediately. If you have creatures on the board and you slam this, you're going to draw a card off of it. Several cards if you're no, attacking it, more creatures. Yeah, but like, if whenever you attack, put a shield counter on target attacking creature. So, I mean, if you're already attacking with multiple creatures, aren't you likely just to kill them? Like. I don't know. It seems like it's, this card is good when you're already doing what you want to be doing. I, I just can't imagine the scenarios where this is fixing your problems in any way or whatever. Well, problems well, like puts, at, at that point, like isn't Shaper Sanctuary just better because every time they target one of your creatures, you would draw a card and then you can use. You could maybe draw a counter spell. Here's here's my thing: is that if let's say I you have you have a lightning bolt in your hand and I attack with my with my uh, Glistener Elf, right? Right. Uh, I go to do a thing dur- to after, you know, you're like, I don't have any blocks. I'm like, okay, I'm going to invigorate. You're like, I'll bolt it. Let's say that's the end of the interaction. 
Now in this scenario, I have I have that. I go to attacks and you're like, I, I've got to bolt it now, obviously, right. because like that's my only ch- chance. And I go, okay, well now I'll invigorate it. And now I have the, the invigorate has been cast in response to you doing something. That's the huge part about this card. Is yeah. It makes your opponent have to react first to, to that free. That's, that's a free card already. Like to me, so, that's a so free you're saying, card every time. You're saying that this card has the potential to change the initiative. It in, changes the play pattern completely in infect. Yeah. So, I, I, but I would take it one step back. Let's say you have that creature on the table, right? And you, you play this on three mm-hmm. and then you want to go to attack then before this, before combat, before this goes down, like if you're tapped out and then you would have to invigorate, the thing that they could do too is if they have in that scenario too, that also assumes that they can't try and fight over your creature with this on the stack. Oh, for sure. Like if, if this is on the stack, they can try and kill it. Of course. I guess you like, also have I, the I guess, invigorate in your hand. So like, yeah, I guess, I guess that means that. That you do get a, a thick pump spell and then you would still draw a card because you would go to combat. Okay. It's all about I, I sequencing. It's all about sequencing and infect. And if you can yeah. make this card mess up your opponent's sequencing so that you get in for a kill, like it's, it's 100% worth it. And that's why it's different okay. than Shaper Sanctuary and Wild Defiance. Wild Defiance is its own beast. Like, that card's just bonkers. And uh, generally, you know, you're running into the same scenarios where your opponent's like, it's a must kill. Like, I have to kill this creature. But okay, this is, I'm thinking is, if, if, you have, if you have a Noble Hierarch and you put this in into play on turn two, and then Noble Hierarch also theoretically can start converting yeah, shield converting cards. cards. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. Zach, okay, I'm all right, Zach. Yeah, I'm not yeah, like- you got me. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not totally sold. But I'm definitely. It's, it's, uh, you would I'm, be upset if I played this against you. Is all I'm saying. I'm, I'm definitely. <laughs> I, so so before I wasn't even I wasn't even willing to shop in this store, and now I'm interested in at least looking at what is available in the aisles. Yeah, so yeah. I'm I'm moved I'm moved a little bit. I'm not I'm not sold. I'm not buying, but I'm not removing it from my cart. Yeah, the you know the people the the people in the shop are, are uh, at least charming, right? This uh, is better than this. Yes, which Speaking. is not as good as this. <laughs> um, yo, uh, how about that killer service? We got those food tokens for you, Phil. You were Dude, so worried I, last last episode about the or two episodes ago about the food tokens. We got those food tokens. For I, you. I I was really upset that, that you know the got those dishes. Yeah, there, there, there's a bunch of people who are supposedly uh, caterers parties, uh, serving the cabaretti at a party, yeah. and they don't produce food. There's Killer no service. food at all of the cabaret. Look how good! Parties. Look how good the flavor is on this card. It's not playable. And, uh, it's not right, so Killer services. When killer service enters the battlefield, create a number of food tokens equal to the number of opponents you have in Legacy. That means one. So it's three mana, create a food. At the beginning of your end step, you may pay two and sacrifice a token. If you do, create a four-four green rhino creature token. Now. I am not totally off this being a powerful card because it doesn't specify what kind of token you have to sack. Yeah. If there's anything that can make as more Namartica Dicey and a Coldacar a little bit more interesting, and you can convert Dude, the yeah. food that you're making off the Underworld Cookbook into 4 4 rhinos, now I'm not totally off. We're cooking with gas. Totally We're cooking it. with gas it's, here. It, it's, it's one of those things again. Zach, Zach, I'm not buying. <laughs> But I'm not removing it from my car. Yo, I, by the way, as more Marduka, I seen a Kodakar. Super, super upset. I watched, uh, I watched the professor's like latest video or whatever, and he didn't pronounce it. He's like, as more. I'm like, what? And they kept saying, he kept saying this card, 
this yeah. card. This I'm yeah. like, as more and more, Dicina called a card. Come on, as more and more, Monica Dicina called a card. It's on. it's fairly yeah. It's 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 so easy. Get with get with it. Cross, yeah, it's no longer watch it, it our was video. Hard. It was difficult when it first came out. It's no longer difficult. Yeah. Although I, like I, I will say, supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, right? I have I have since it came out, I've been pronouncing it as Moronomartica Dicina cold car. And apparently it's as Moronomartica Dicina cooled the car. Nah. Teffrey. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. On to the next card. Uh, that is Cryptic Pursuit. Cryptic Pursuit is another enchantment. Uh, it is four mana. It's two, a blue and a red for whenever an instant or sorcery spell. Uh, whenever you cast an instant or sorcery yeah. spell. Whenever you cast an instant sorcery spell from your hand, manifest the top card of your library. So it turns into a 2-2. Whenever a face-down creature you control dies, exile it. If it's an instant or sorcery card, and you may cast it until the end of your next turn. So this is a card that, I, I, I again, just like what we were saying last episode, a 3-drop, a 4-drop can't really exist uh, with days, especially this one, because it's not really getting you any value from being in the in the yard. Uh, and and obviously, if you were going to play a blue red deck, you would be playing days, and you would be playing uh, Murktide Regent. And those are these are obviously way better options uh, than playing this this card. But this card has some interesting build around abilities for uh, later down the line if those cards aren't in the format anymore. Kind of situation. I mean, whenever you cast is a really powerful line of text. Um, and this one meaning that every instant or sorcery spell that you cast turns into a tutu. It's not bad. Like that's a really powerful line of text. It would and it's be like really a tutu that you don't mind swinging in with because it like your your opponent has no idea which one of those is an instant or sorcery. So they're literally playing shell game. Like you are if it were, straight griftering them. At four mana, it's unplayable. At two mana, it's really powerful. At three mana, it's unplayable. At two and a half mana, it's unplayable. Until they lop the, the mana cost in half, which I'm sure will happen in Modern Horizons 3, yep. this is unplayable. Although yeah, that's that, although whenever you cast is definitely a line of text worth. I like this effect a lot. And I love I love the, the concept of the shell game where you have like three of these out, maybe two of them are lands and one of them's uh, an instant. And your opponent just has to like blindly guess if he's so, going to block the instant or not, you know? I mean, there is, I guess there is something to be said that if you are trying to combo out, right? Like, let's say you're a combo deck and you're just casting a bajillion, a bajillion things all at once. First, you'd have to explain to me why you're not playing. Um, empty what's the, the, well, well, this is like Empty the Warrens mm -hmm. uh, because it creates tutus, but it functionally will also then draw you all their cards if they're able to figure a way out of it. But um, if you're not playing Galvanic Relay and you're interested in this instead of go. Empty, the, the difference is the empty is a payoff, where this is something that you would play before you continue comboing your spell. It's also an insurance policy if, if your opponent has a way to get rid of them, assuming that it's not Terminus isn't the way they're getting rid of this them. Is, yeah, this is, this is one of those types of cards where because you have to play it before you start doing anything, which means that you can't like ritual into this yeah. and get payoffs, you have to play this and then start doing all that shit. I don't think it's going to see play because that's not the play pattern that a card like this needs yeah. to uh, provide in order for it to be playable. But it does exist in the space where if you are a combo deck and you can't put this into play, it will function similar to uh, like the empty, war empty the Warrens effect where you, you can go wide uh, as opposed to trying to figure out how to like dome them on the stack. But I don't, I, I think this is too many hoops. Fair enough. Let's talk about Gavel of the Righteous. 
Um, this is a two mana artifact uh, equipment that has equip three or remove a counter from Gavel of the Righteous. And it says at the beginning of combat uh, on your turn, put a charge counter onto Gavel of the Righteous. Equip creature gets plus one, plus one for each counter on Gavel of the Righteous. As long as Gavel of the Righteous has four or more counters, the equipped creature has double strength. Okay. I mean, I guess everybody who loves playing Dice Factory, get your surge nodes and have a great time. <laughs> Yeah, the only the only thing I, I I thought was interesting about this card is it's reduced equip cost. Um, yes, obviously you've got to make it uh, make it. Uh, it's it's going to take time to build up, and obviously getting four of these things on there. Like if you're hitting somebody with a with a uh, gaveled up four plus four double strike guy, good on you. You're killing it. And also like yeah. look, this is a, death and taxes is a control deck. It takes a while to get up to that point where you're beating people. So it's not insane to think that maybe they maybe they look at this in their 80 card deck and say, ah, why not throw one in there, you know? So I, I don't know. There are plenty of other better cards to be playing in, in that deck, but like, who knows? Maybe you have all of your uh, uh, living weapon cards in your hand already. Yeah. What's that white card that uh, from a recent set, it's one in a white, one, one, and it says at the beginning of combat, put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature you control. That is uh, Luminarch Aspirant. Yes, Luminarch Aspirant was uh, a playable card. It actually got errated on Arena to be at the end of your turn instead of at the so beginning bad. of combat. But like that card proved to be pretty good. Uh, it never found its way into Legacy, but the interesting thing about Gavel is that it, while Aspirant was a creature and you could tutor it off of something like uh, Recruiter, this you can get off of your uh, Stoneforge Mystic. And the interesting thing is Gavel of Righteous does essentially have a free equip the turn it comes in. So at, if you play this before combat, it'll get the charge counter. Then you can remove that counter to equip it to a creature. It won't get the bonus that turn, but then the next turn it will get plus one, plus one. So it's kind of doing something similar in that like Luminarch Aspirant was. So, you know, having an Anthem every single turn and essentially the equip cost always being free. Yeah. I'm, not to I'm not totally off of it. Like free equip is no joke. And if you care about uh, just making your creatures bigger to push through in combat in any way, that could be relevant. I, again, I'm not buying. This card, not this card also card. just sits on the board and gets bigger over time. So, like, if your opponent terminuses, you're keeping this on the board. It's not like a batter skull where it's going to be very hard to equip batter skull or, cal or cauldra. Yeah, where it's harder to equip those cards. If you're playing against a uh, a deck that wipes the board and you drop this. That deck has to deal with every single threat you ever put out afterwards, especially if it's at four, five, six, plus one, plus one counters later on. This also, I mean, the thing is that charge counters are a very relevant counter. Like that, that's the a counter that matters. There's a lot of cards that care about charge counters. Yeah. And this is also a card that, uh, it's, it's a rare card that unlike Planeswalkers also produces a counter every turn and it's not on a creature or it's not a creature or a Planeswalker and it produces a counter every turn. So if you care about cards that remove counters from cards, this is also a really nice enabler for that kind of thing. If you care about the, I mean, the only deck that really Doubling cares about charge season? counters in particular <laughs> is, well, the only card that deck that cares about charge counters in particular is Dice Factory, but that deck does care about charge counters and it's possible that they could just make like a really fat construct load it up, give it double strike and get in and hit hard really quick. So it, it I mean, again, this isn't going to be breaking into tier one anytime soon, but don't be surprised if it shows up in a niche deck that's, you know, lingering around the, the, the bottom of the barrels of legacy. Cool. 
yeah, so, okay. So let's talk about the card that uh, Phil thinks is actually the best card in this format. And before we do that, uh, in this format, in this set, in this before sentence. we do that, let's talk about Moxfield real fast. Uh, Moxfield.com is our sponsor for this, uh, for this podcast. They uh, are an amazing, an amazing deck building website. It works on your PC. It works on your phone. You don't need an app. You just go on there, start building decks. Moxfield.com, man. Uh, you can sort everything. It has all the same tags as Scryfall. They use Scryfall. They support legacy. They support old school. They support pre-modern. Moxfield.com. Get in there. Phil, you want to talk about this last card? Yeah, so Currency Converter is a one-mana artifact that says whenever you discard a card, you may exile that card from your graveyard. And then it has two tap, draw a card, then discard a card, so you get to loot. And then it has tap, put a card exiled with Currency Converter into your graveyard. If it's a land card, create a treasure token. If it's a non-land card, create a 2-2 Black Rogue creature token. As is the case with every one-mana artifact from now until forever, if it's good with a Saga, yeah. it's going to be playable because it means that it can come in for uncounterable for free and then start doing stuff. If Retrofitter Foundry makes bodies, this card loots. And then it can convert those the cards that you loot into mana or threats, which is better than Retrofitter Foundry. So it's possible that this card just takes the slot of Retrofitter Foundry as opposed to uh, working alongside of it. So my, my call on this, actually, because I've, I've obviously been playing the deck, right, uh, is that I would remove one, and a lot of decks are already doing this, is removing one uh, Mox Opal, playing mm. three Mox Opal, which is fine, and adding in this, like, random slot for uh, for this. And some, some of them are playing uh, uh, Lantern of the... What, what was that card? Soul Guide Lantern. Soul Guide Lantern. Yeah, some of them were playing Soul Guide Lantern uh, in the main as just like, a, hey, I've got this. I'm ready to go. Uh, but you could play this in in the main and take out that one slot. The idea of putting cards back into your graveyard is not a space that we see a lot of the time. Like I, I, I can't think of another card that does this in a way that is at a competitive uh, rate that you would take cards from exile and put them back into your graveyard. Like only like the weird processor cards from uh, from Oath of the Gatewatch, right? Yeah, none of those are playable. But the the, the fact that this one is just a mana rock. Like if if you're discarding, if you are putting lands from its exile into the graveyard, it's just a mana rock of any of any color. It just produces of any color because it's a treasure token, and then. It also just pumps out two twos, and two twos are a lot bigger than one ones. So retrofitter foundry pumping out one one servos. I get that those are also artifacts, which is definitely relevant with your uh, constructs. And these two two black rogues are not, but a two two is still a lot bigger than a one one, and yep. it's doing that for free. Like the the clause to put to to tap and put something back into your yard. That's it's zero mana. So it's zero mana two two. If you're doing literally anything else, and Whenever you discard a card, you may exile that card from your graveyard. It means that you can pick and choose what cards you actually want to exile. So if you like LED and don't want to put your uh, life from the loam into exile, you want to leave it in your graveyard, you can choose to do so. Everything about this card is very powerful. Like even by itself, it's going turn one, play this, turn two, you have the ability to loot. And then on turn three, it's going to get you to four mana if you discarded a land card. So it'll ramp you or it can just start pumping out bodies. So like not to mention like, those for treasures free. are Zero artifacts mana. for your for your uh, affinity and for your no no no, uh, no. The, the, the 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 treasure tokens are artifacts the rogues yeah, yeah. are not yeah that's yeah, what I'm saying yeah. the treasure tokens are artifacts for affinity and for uh, improvise so like yes. th those are good those are syn those synergize very well with the deck already too. right it is it is 
much like retrofitter foundry, it's still an artifact that can produce more artifacts, which can amp in your constructs and all of that stuff. Yes, yeah. that is that is relevant. Um, so yeah, th I mean, this one's an absolute, this one's a banger. Like the fact that Urza Saga exists means that this will 100% show up in Legacy. This is, Pick it up. This, is the, this is the card that's guaranteed. Like if you are uh, getting, if, if you play anything remotely close to an Urza Saga deck, this is definitely like right now. Gotta I'm have looking it. at. Gotta have one. I'm looking at. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. It's selling for like five to six bucks. Definitely pick one Scoop up. Them up. For Scoop sure, them up. pick up one. This how is the much, type of card that. How much is Retro Fair Foundry going for right now? How it, much went, is, it went for like yeah, it went for like five Spear? bucks to forty bucks. Yeah. Yeah, Shadow Spear is like ten, fifteen dollars right now. Yeah. Pick these up. Pick this is, Pick these up. This is the one to pick up because this is arguably better than Retrofitter because it can produce mana. It's still producing bodies. But, it can, but the fact that it produces mana is a huge deal, particularly because uh, an issue that Urza Saga uh, has consistently is that when you have to uh, sacrifice it, you lose that land, you lose that mana, whereas Currency Converter solves that problem. And then it can turn, like the fact that this will also lead to potentially anything, uh, like other interesting cards that care about discarding cards. So remember when um, Containment Construct, uh, the two mana card from yep. um, Kamigawa, I think it was? So uh, that, what was the enchantment? The one in a blue enchantment that was essentially um, survival of the fittest for one man artifacts. And people oh, were playing, it was the, you know what I'm talking about? And it was the combo I, that and people were vaguely, talking about the combo yeah, where, yeah, yeah. where LEDs and you loop it. Oh, it's on the tip of my tongue. Why? I, I, it was the card I wanted to talk about too. Uh, I'm blanking on it. But it's, it's, it's one in a blue, it's an enchantment and it's, pay, it's blue, discard an artifact. And then you can search your library for an artifact with a CMC one or zero, or one or less. I don't even know this, what that is. It, 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 it like spiked. It like went to like 25 bucks because everybody saw a containment construct uh, uh, combo variant and thought it was awesome. Okay. But the, I, I will think of it. Uh, it will come to me. I, I know it. It was the card I wanted to talk about. I'll put but, it. I'll put it right there. But that the fact that that card <laughs> is, uh, yeah, you got to watch the YouTube to, to know what I'm talking about. Yep. But the fact that that card is a discard. So like that card cares about being able to find artifacts with zero uh, for with CMC one or less, which this card is, but then it also enables discard. It discards an artifact to then uh, tutor up something from your deck. And this just lets you convert what you discard into additional resources to do things with the cards that you tutored for. I think this card is, has so many potential homes that we're not even thinking about because it now is also asking you to find things that care about discarding. It works with all of the artifacts energies. It works with Urza Saga, like as a buy-in, it is guaranteed to see play in Legacy, but the potential homes that and, and new things that it could create, like the new decks that it could create on its own, because the rate for everything that it does is so good. Like two mana loot is as pricey as you could make it, but it's not unreasonable. Yeah. And the, the fact that you can make a treasure or a 2-2 rogue at zero mana at instant speed, that is, that's really powerful. And, and like, you're going to, get rid of stuff that you don't need right like that's the thing is like looting looting isn't just like oh i i have to do this to like make this thing happen like sometimes you just well, have a handful of i don't need any of this stuff and this also isn't necessarily this card isn't necessarily just loot the, the, a lot of the time it's just going to read loot or it's a lot of times it's going to read uh loot uh draw a card in the draw two cards essentially in the form of, of a mana source or in the form of a tutu so like the loot is deceiving because it's really drawing more than one card for two mana. You're drawing either an additional mana source of any color, so it's fixing, or you're drawing a, a, a two-two rogue creature token. So th that loot is extremely deceptive. It's not just loot. 
this card is extremely powerful. Like if, if you if you take anything away from uh, this this episode, it's pick these up because they will be they will be attached to Urza Saga for as long as Urza Saga is legal, and it is extremely good. That card, by the way, is called Artificer's Intuition. That's it, Artificer's Intuition. That's the enchantment that's one in a blue, and you can discard a card to tutor stuff. Like, I, that card has never seen play. It has never had enough of a home for it to do things. But this card Pretty is asking you to do all of the things that Intuition does, and it's another home, uh, another way to find it. So, Fifth Dawn. I, I mean, between Artificer's Intuition and Urza Saga, I mean, I don't think Artificer's Intuition, every time I think it's going to make it, it never makes it. Because yeah. it's another one of those things where it doesn't do anything by itself, and it asks you, it asks a lot of you in terms of your deck building. But well, I have to say, Phil, that I wasn't really sold on currency converter until we started talking about it, and now I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm psyched. This for is it. the easiest. This one is the easiest slam dunk from the like. I, I, I am. I'm not like coming up with new ideas here. This is all just Urza Saga. Just makes yeah. it so that not building can, Phoenix like, decks. Here, here's the thing: <laughs> if Urza Saga didn't exist. This is probably this is probably fringy, right? Like yeah. maybe you're playing it in some artifact uh, synergy combo deck of some kind, or uh, who knows? The fact that Urza Saga exists is what makes this a slam dunk. It will 100 100% see play. You will definitely sit across from it at some point if you're playing Legacy. Pick up your copies because when people recognize that it's essentially what Retrofitter Foundry became and it's worth way more than five bucks you will wish you had bought a set. I will be doing the same after this episode is done. Highly recommend you do as well. Get um, on it. Currency Converter is the slam dunk. Not financial advice. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so anyhow, uh, I think that does it for this episode. Real quick, we want to thank our Patreon supporters uh, who gave us a pretty good idea for a couple of uh, episodes coming up. If you want to get in on that, uh, help us out coming up with episode ideas, jump in on the Patreon. That's patreon.com slash eternaldurtles. It's right above us. What else? Get on our Discord. Jump in on the Discord. Join the conversation. We're on there every day, chit-chatting, talking deck techs, just you know, BSing with everybody. Anyhow, like I, you know, what what what, what are you really going to be doing during work hours and instead of just talking to us? Anyhow, so like, come on. And I think that's it for for the. That's it. I think that's it. Guess. Buy your yeah. currency converters. Con convert <laughs> your currency into currency converters. That's the way. Convert currency into currency converters. That's that's. You can't end on a better note than that. I think that's it for us. Have a good one, everybody. Man, Fossil Phil, you ain't know what the fuck you talking about, bro. You ain't no blue mage. Hey, like I ain't spent since divine time. Like I ain't tried to set up a miracle seven mana time walk. Trapping and casting the kind of magic that's slapping all of the magic you're stacking. That's lacking the backing of cavern back of flashing them back. You're saddened by my lack of compassion. What you're slacking, I'm snacking. Like I ain't the best to play this game. Force the negation targets your past in flames. Like I ain't been to infinite convention centers where the magic Twitter hashtag really ain't the same. Like I ain't frightening, never through lightning. Like I ain't lost money trying to buy out frightening. Like I ain't a fixture, think a big picture. Shuffle back my graveyard, drink an elixir. You know I'm sculpting your mind, we'll go into time easy. Rather than time, the stack is all mine. Sleazy. Heart in the veil, forcing your spell. Always shuffle and ponders and ask if you would like to reveal seriously like i never got choked never got cataclysm to crater hoof like i never ever stared at a devil or a chalice to shepherd and plan out every way that i could kill myself so pray tell what if what's never happened how much more time in life would i spend being happy would it be a travesty to never see the epiphany of seeing a miracle of guns or drives you getting splattered like i ain't smart like i ain't hard like i ain't sweeping the border drawing three cards like i ain't chic like i ain't slick like i ain't properly stacking these predicts like i ain't mole like i ain't keep like my sorceries ain't an instant Speed, like I ain't smooth, like I ain't cool, like I ain't a tricky angels, what it do, what it, what it, what it. Try to come at me, don't.
tell me I ain't no boy. I'm gonna terminus the shit out your board, bro. Terminus the shit out your board.